0: I want to talk to you this morning, again, about God's ways.
1: God's ways. I'm going to read pretty extensively at the beginning of this to try to set the context of it. and I want to try to show you two sections of the Bible in various places that have something in common. Uh, the first section, had, all these verses I read have, have one thing in common, and then I'm going to read some other verses that have another thing in common with each other, but the two seem to hold nothing in common with each other. Did you get that? I'm going to read one section that all these verses have things in common with each other. I'm going to read another, another group of verses that these verses that they have things in common with each other, but these two groups seem to have nothing in common with each other. Hopefully we can learn the lesson today. The title of the sermon is Tough and Tender. Tough and Tender. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you would come today in your power, and your way, have taught what you would like. Lord God, I believe we can, uh, no teacher's ever taught unless people learn. I pray that the people would have receptive hearts and open minds and not have their mind on something else or their phone or other stuff going on, but they would concentrate at least for 30 minutes here on does God have something for me supernaturally today? Uh, It is uh, by the foolishness of preaching God chose to save them that believe. Do a work now. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew. Chapter 18, verses 3 through 5, Jesus' words. You'll not be able, to, probably shouldn't try to turn to all these places because I'm going to go to too many too quickly. And you'll spend all your time trying to find them and not paying attention. Best to kind of lay back, and just listen. And you can get this uh, a lot of different ways. You can go to Facebook live streaming. You can go, that is repeated on Facebook. It's also on our website about a week down the road, and also on iTunes. Uh, There's numbers of people all over the world really by now that start listening to these things. I hope it helps them. Uh, Matthew eighteen three through five says this: "Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven." if so you be converted and become as little children you should not enter the kingdom of heaven there's no big shots in heaven there's no super important people in heaven there's people like little children in heaven little wheelbarrow that's I uh, I don't even know his first name I really don't <laughs> I think his name's Hudson, but I don't, I'm not sure that's it. But uh, Ashley Wiff just had a, a child, boy, a boy, named Hudson. I said, uh, Hudson William. No, his name's Hudson Todd. I, I, I leave it there. All I can tell is if one of you girls would name your kid after me, it will be well worth it. uh, I'm willing to kick in (laughs) except you be converted and become as little children you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child he had a child in his midst probably from the Greek word two, three year old the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me how big does that make teaching three and four-year-olds or the nursery? Matthew 19, verse 14. And Jesus said again, suffer, that word in, in the old English says, permit. Suffer little children, forbid them not to come unto me, for such is of the kingdom of heaven. That's all the bus ministry. But why do we go to such lengths to, to going up and down the neighborhoods of our area here and have boys and girls come? of all ages, sizes, races, colors, and creeds, because we believe the Bible. Luke chapter 19, verse 41, and when he was come near, he beheld the city, that is Jerusalem, and he wept over it. Jesus wept over the city of Jerusalem. In John chapter 11, of the resurrection of Lazarus, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled and said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus went to the tomb of Lazarus. The Bible said, you "Now this is a verse that even Jim not can memorize. I just, I just love the very kind I'm so sorry about that. But tonight I want you to do this. Jesus wept. <laughs> If you forget what you were going to do just say, "Well, I know a verse." In 11:35 of John Jesus wept. Okay. First Thessalonians 2:7, you keep it up now, don't you quit. First Thessalonians 2:7 says, "This is not Jesus, but this is New Testament, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children." Can you think of a more tender visual picture than a a nurse cherishing her own little children, a woman cherishing her baby. Luke chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus said, love your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. Your reward should be great. And you should be the children of the highest. And this is the part I wanted to emphasize, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4, when it defines the best place in the whole Bible defines love is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Charity, that's agape love, the highest form of love, suffereth long and is kind. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 and be kind one to another. Tender hearted, that's what I want to emphasize. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Our brother in a Sunday school class, Brother Paul Chilson, talked about forgiving seven times, and then Jesus said, No, seven times seven, 409 times, or infinity. There should be nothing any of us can do to each other that we're not willing to forgive each other if that person is willing to ask forgiveness. We should, we should be willing to forgive. Now, what did all them verses have in common? Did you get it? Tenderness. Tenderness. That's what all those verses had in common. It's going back to the children. It's all a a note of tenderness. Now, let me read you equally
0: as biblical. Much uh, from Jesus' mouth which is
1: also part of the Bible. Let me read you, and then we're gonna. After we get done with reading these, we're gonna decide what are these things. What are what's the what's the ultimate message these kind of give us? In Matthew chapter twenty-three, is probably a, it's a sermon Jesus preached to the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and lawyers, and Herodians, and it's possibly. The hardest sermon, toughest sermon I've ever heard, I've never heard anybody preach like this. I've heard people preach, I've heard oh hell fire and damnation, I was raised on that group of folks. God bless their soul and memory. But I've never heard anything like this. And these are Jesus' word, Matthew chapter 23, verse 13, and down selectively, down through to verse 33. He says to them, but woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says in verse 14, woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites. He says in verse 15, woe unto you, scribes, fair hypocrites. Pharisees, hypocrites. Three times in a row. In Matthew 23, 17, 19, he says the same thing over and over. Twice. Ye fools and blind. He says it twice. Matthew 23, 23 says, woe to you, scribes, and Pharisees, hypocrites. That's a fourth time. In uh, Matthew 23, 24 it says, You blind guides. In 23, 25 says, Won't you scribes, hypocrites, and Pharise- uh, Pharisees, and hypocrites? That's the fifth time. In Matthew twenty three thirty three, says, he serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? In John chapter 2, verse 14, and the Bible says, and he found in the temple, this is Jesus, those that sold oxen, and sheep, and doves, and changers of money, sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, a whip, he drove them. He didn't ask them to leave. Would you please leave? Well, you didn't say please. Well, he didn't either. He drove them all out of the temple. He drove the sheep out. He drove the oxen out. And he poured out all the changers' money. How rude! He took their money and their cash registers and just threw it out on the ground. And he overthrew the tables. He went up to the tables. I don't know if he did it with his feet or he did it with his hands, but he took the tables that they around and he just overthrew them. Now that, to most of you, is unacceptable behavior for a Christian. That happened to be the Christ that was doing it. Also, he preaches the strongest sermon I've ever heard on a warning to unsaved people, people reject him as their Savior. It's the strongest I've ever heard anywhere in the Bible. It's in Mark chapter 9, verse 43 to 48. I'm going to do a quick summation of it. He says, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. He says, if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. He says, if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. For it is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one hand, one foot, and one eye, if I may put it that way, than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Now what would you say would be the spirit of what I just read? I'm going to sum it up with one word. Misspell. I'm going to misspell it for you. T U F F. Tough. T O U G H. As far as English goes. Tough. So the title. Hence the title of the message. Tough. And when I first read tender, the combination of these two areas together is the way God wants us to be. Because that was Christ that was that way. And we're supposed to imitate Christ, be like him. Would anybody object to the fact that the Bible says we're to be like Christ this morning? Anybody knows anything about the Bible knows we're supposed to be like Jesus. But they only, but but what you gotta be careful of is you don't create a Jesus that's not the Bible Jesus. Now, that's deep. People create a Jesus. They'll call them often, they use the term, I've heard them say to me, my Jesus is good with that. And I'll say to them, your Jesus may be good with that, but the Bible Jesus is not good with that. Sometimes they want to leave their wife or leave their husband or they want to do some wicked sin, and, and they know what's wrong, the Bible condemns it, it's clear as crystal, there's no wiggle room, and they'll say, my Jesus is okay with that. I said, yours may be, but the Bible Jesus. And the only one that counts is the Bible Jesus. Because when you're judged by him at the Great White Throne, because somehow I just don't even know if those people are saved, but wherever, the Bible said the books were open. One of those books is going to be the Bible. And we're going to be judged out of those things written in the Bible that you had a chance in life to know, but you didn't take the time to know whether you were lazy. Or whether you were ignorant or whether you had some other problem, I don't know. But you didn't take the time to know the words that you're someday you've been given a heads up on that you're going to be judged out of. I don't know about you, but I want to know the Bible. Because I want to know how I'm supposed to live and how I'm supposed to, after I've been saved, how I'm supposed to uh, conduct myself. Because someday I'm going to give account of things done in the body, whether they be good or bad. And I learned that out of the Bible. So as I read about Jesus in the Bible, I see two seemingly conflicting behaviors. I see a very tender, sweet, mild Son of God. And then I see the God of wrath, the Jehovah God of wrath of the Old Testament can also come out. Because he was both, by the way. And so it's so important that we understand what these two things have in common, this area of being tough and tender. First of all, they absolutely both are true, and they're mostly what I read this morning from Jesus' words. Secondly, they reflect two characteristics that normally repel each other. They're tough and tender. tend to repel each other like two north poles of a magnet. You try to put them together and they repel each other or south either. And if you put the same,
0: many people are tough, but they're
1: not tender. Many people show strength, but do not show compassion. Many people who are kind and sweet are spineless wonders and will compromise the truth and avoid confrontation at all costs even if the person goes to hell. Thirdly, both of these characteristics are needed if you want to be like Jesus. I believe in life balance is everything. Balance is just everything. When I buy tires, uh, you don't know me, but when I go buy tires, there's four different grades of tires. You may not know this, but I'm teaching you something outside the box here. Four different grades of tires. And when you buy a new car, you get the best grade of tire. They're round. And they're balanced. So when you drive that car down the road, it's beautiful. Usually, I bought enough new cars to know it. Usually perfect. The whole time the tire wears, the 80, 70, 80,000 miles I usually get on my tires, they're beautiful. I go down here to, you know, so-and-so, and I buy my tires, and I say, "I want the best tire you got is years ago. And he says, oh, man, I'll give you the best grade tire you got. But they don't give you that grade. They give you the grade under that or the next grade. And so I go down the road, and what do you get? When you get about 68, 69, 70 mile an hour, you get a a shimmy in the front. You ever feel that in your wheel? Wheel kind of goes like this.
0: I can't stand that.
1: I mean, that drives me crazy. I want to go postal. I run that thing back in there, and I go, hey, this is unacceptable. The right front tire is out. Of- oh, no problem. We'll just put that back on the machine there, and we'll rebalance that thing. And, whoo, They slap about a half a pound of weight on that thing. And i say, whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you putting a half pound of weight on there? And by the way, when I do go down my dirt road and do a little bouncy down, see, those weights will pop off and it'll be back where it's supposed to. He says, oh, well, it's, it's got a little bit of a problem. I said, well, then put me a new tire in there. Oh, no, 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 no. We can't do that. We'd never be able to make a living doing that. I said, well, then you shouldn't even sell tires if you're going to sell them like that. So we go through this whole thing, and I say, I'm never going to buy any tires from you ever again. I tell everybody I know not to come here. I may do a billboard if you get me mad. (laughs) So I found a guy finally after all these years. that speaks my language. And I go in there and he gets this number one grade. He gets a new car tire grade. And there's a way to tell on the tire. Actually, it's marked. And he finds out the date they were manufactured and it's got to be really recent. So he gives me a recently manufactured tire with a super grade on it and he's got this policy, if this thing bounces, bring it back and I'll give you another tire, no questions asked and we will make you happy. And I have bought set after set after set. I bought Mitchell's, I bought Coopers, I bought different brand names and they're all like beautiful. The set I got on my truck right now, Beautiful!
0: Because balance means
1: everything. And in your Christian life, you may know all kinds of Bible. You may may be the most faithful at whatever supposedly you are, but if you are imbalanced, you are not useful for the kingdom of God. Give me a tire that's 98% good, but it's got a bubble in the side of it. Useless. It goes on the junk pile. Yet ninety-eight percent of that tire, maybe ninety-six percent of the tire, is beautiful. It's made right. It's round. It's balanced. But it's got a bubble in the side of it. And that's the way. That's the way a lot of Christians are. Oh, they're tough on sin. They're all hellfire, damnation, shingle rattling, uh, window rattling, shingle pulling, red faced Baptists. And they'll tell you this:
0: what's wrong with you in a heartbeat. They're tough. Against sin, that's good. But they're not tender. And they're almost useless for God.
1: Or you get this spineless, wishy-washy, compromising, Bible-changing person that just give anything up that our forefathers fought and shed their blood for but doesn't regard it
0: because he wouldn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. (laughs) They're worthless for the kingdom of heaven. Why? They're not balanced.
1: And what you and I need to understand is we need to be balanced. Don't you just be, well, I just have a personality to be sweet. Like me, I understand. <laughs> See, the problem is, you want your preacher to stand against sin and open wickedness and go to and make sure topless dancing don't come into the town and go down to the city hall and complain about it and make sure that and protest abortion in every way you can and do everything. But you want him to be just as sweet as, as honey over on this side. And to be, it's pretty hard to be both, isn't it? You either want to be one side of this thing or the other side of the thing. But Jesus was both. He says, I want you to stand against wickedness and for right, I want you to stand to the death. But I also want you to be kind one to another.
0: Tender-hearted.
1: Sweet. Man, man, have you seen me struggle with that?
0: <laughs> I'm not preaching to you this morning. I'm preaching to me.
1: Your body is a delicate, I have, doc, I have a doctor present, or maybe a few of them, and your body is a delicate chemical balance. In fact, your body is so delicate in its chemistry It's pH, which is the acid-alkaline balance, should be around 7, 7 7.2, somewhere around that. If your pH in your body goes too high or too low, you have all kinds of interconnecting reactions going on. Eventually you may die. Plants are that way. Plants have a specific pH. You know, you look at a plant, you don't think it's complicated. It is the most complicated thing you've ever looked at. The cell alone, the way it transfers and, and, and chlorophyll and all this other stuff that goes from the the roots feed the leaves, leaves feed the roots, and how does it get up there and how does it get down and it use a wicking process? And come on. Balance. If the plant gets out of balance, it dies. I've lost a lot of them. Too much for I thought if a little fertilizer works, a lot's gotta be better. How many? How many made that mistake? God bless you. you. Honest people want to tell people other folks about. And I thought, you know, I got this tree. I'm old. I got to accelerate its growth. I plant these old trees are about that big around. That's all I could afford. 125 bucks a pop, and they're about that big around. I think, man, I want to see that thing big. I want to see it like this. So I started throwing the fertilizer on that thing. I go buy Osmocote, 80 dollars a 50 pound bag. I buy the good stuff. And I throw the fertilizer around. All you can see is that fertilizer around that time. Pretty soon that tree goes, whoa, and falls over. <laughs> what I didn't realize is you can't, super, you can't supercharge the growth of a tree because the roots got to grow also. And if the roots don't grow in proportion with the top, and a little wind comes by, and we get wind in Florida, Right? Over it goes. The roots has got to grow with the top. There's got to be a certain amount of time that takes. Christian growth can only be accelerated so much. Or you get a distortion and an imbalance and you're, you're useless. And what's the devil's picture for you and me is to make us useless. He can't send you to hell. He can't unsave you. He can't take away the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all sin, but he sure enough can make you messed up to where you're no good for the kingdom of heaven. In fact, you're actually an advertisement for him. If you're too tough or too tender, we're supposed to be both tough and tender, balanced. I had a saltwater aquarium years ago. It taught me a lot about spiritual, spiritual things. I decided to have a saltwater aquarium, bought a 55-gallon saltwater aquarium. Wasn't big enough. First of all, I learned I probably ought to have like 300, 400 gallons, but nevertheless, I got a 55-gallon. Why? Why have a Why have a 300-gallon compared to a 55-gallon? Why? Because a 55-gallon, things happen rapidly. And a 300-gallon, they don't happen nearly as rapidly, but a 600-gallon would be better. 1,000-gallon would be a dream because it takes more time to kill all the fish.
0: LAUGHTER
1: So I start. I made my own salt water. I made my own salt water. Yeah, man. You take this bag of stuff. I didn't realize sea salt has 99 trace elements in it. 99 trace elements. They got to have them. So you pour it in this thing. You add fresh water to it. You mix it up. And you can put fish in there and they live for a while. (laughs) And there's a thing called specific gravity. And you got this little thing. You measure the, it's the salt fresh ratio, and you measure, it's got to be 10.23. I knew I was in trouble when there was a point two three on it. I said, no, wait a minute. You mean I got to be accurate enough to go 10.23? And so I'm killing this fish, buying more fish, killing these things, killing this. I can't keep this specific gravity. I finally get this specific I go. I did a little experiment, Nick. I went out saltwater with my little specific gravity meter. I went out here to Fort Myers Beach, just anywhere. Fort Myers Beach, waited out there. Went like a big ocean. Went like this, boom, boom, boom. I said, "What in the world?" Ten point two
0: three.
1: I had me a little a little praise party. I had me a little praise party. I said, "God, you know how to do this way better than I do." And how? Do you do it? <laughs> How do you do it? And I went out there and I netted some fish, and the fish—they looked good. Their skin was good. Their scales looked good. I said they look healthy. My fish look sickly. I caught a moray eel one time. Put it in there, and it was so—he was so bad off. He crawled out of the tank. <laughs> He did. a lot of the (laughs) tank. What am I trying to illustrate so you remember it? Balance. You can't have a saltwater aquarium without real, real. Troy has done way better than I did on it. He had a saltwater aquarium and grew coral. Now, coral is like another level up. You can. You may be able to keep fish alive, but if you can keep coral alive, that's the ultimate. That's the ultimate in saltwater water. Aquarium. He had beautiful coral. He didn't pay much attention to his wife, but he paid a lot of attention to that aquarium. And his wife got jealous of it, named it a female name, said, you've been out with Susie again, haven't you? I'm just making that up. But you know, almost. You've got to baby that thing. You've got to pamper that thing. You've got to pay attention to that thing. Or everything in there gonna die, but man, he, you gotta, you gotta. I'm too bad you can't. I went over there, and took pictures of it. Fabulous coral, long, beautiful stuff. Soft coral, what they call soft coral. Balance, balance. I ask you a question this morning. Are you balanced? You can't be balanced if you don't know the Bible. More likely, if you know a little of the Bible, you're dangerous. And more likely to be imbalanced. Because you need to get the big picture to have balance. You gotta get the big picture, which means you need to know it. Now I'm not just talking about the New Testament, because if you just know the New Testament, you can be imbalanced because you don't understand the God of the Old Testament is the God of the New Testament. What you see in the Old Testament is the same God as came down and took the form of a man, made the likeness of a servant, being found a servant, and gave himself to death. So are we to be tough? Well, the New Testament says we're to be soldiers of the cross. These are verses, Acts 5.41, we're to suffer shame. Luke 17.25, we're to suffer many things. In, in Romans 8:17, we're to suffer with Him. In 1 Corinthians 4:12, we're to suffer persecution. In 1 Corinthians 6:7, we're to suffer being defrauded. In 1 Corinthians 9:12, we're to suffer all things. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 6, we're to suffer affliction. In Philippians 4:12, we're to suffer need if, 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 if it's necessary. In 1 Thessalonians 3:4, we're to suffer tribulation. In 1 Timothy 4.10, we're to suffer reproach. And in 2 Timothy 2.12, it says this: if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. So suffering and being tough is what you've got to have to survive to the end. Oh, your first few months or years of Christianity may be woohoo! But eventually the tests roll in. The storm clouds gather, and God begins to put you through the fire of life. And He wants to see what kind of faith you really have. Actually, He already knows what kind of faith you really have. He wants you to see what kind of faith you have. And the hard things come. Jesus was tough when he drove the money changers out, when he addressed the Pharisees, when they warned the people about hell. He faced error fearlessly and straightforward. I believe you can't please God unless you stand fearlessly, fundamentally, and literally for the things of God. That's a quote, by the way. You want to put that down? You need to stand fearlessly, fundamentally, and literally for the word of God. Would you write that down somewhere, please? I just like that. That's not easy. It's not easy. but We're also supposed to be like Jesus when he was tender. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He was tender about it, even though they rejected him. Jesus wept over Lazarus' death at the tomb. He hated death. Jesus was so gentle as not even to break a reed, according to Matthew 12.20. Jesus was as tender as a lamb, according to John 129. Behold the Lamb of God will take away the sin of the world. Uh, Jesus had little children set in his midst, two and three year old children, as trying to tell people this is what you need to be like. He didn't bring the big shot in, he brought the little kid in. He says, You got to be like this little child, or you're not going to make it. Jesus was compassionate on the blind, the lame, the dumb, the deaf, the sick. And it sums, it's all summed up in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 be kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake had forgiven you. 1 Thessalonians 2 7, cb, but we were gentle among you, even as a nurse that cherishes her children. I rarely fail personally in the area of being tough, I rarely fail in that. But I regularly fail in the area of being tender. What did God? I want to succeed in both. I want to succeed in both. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed. I need the transforming power of God. This isn't something you can conjure up with willpower. Trust me, there have been a lot of times I've decided I'm going to be a sweet man. And you don't help it. And there I go being tough again. I just crossed over to the tough side to rebuke you about not telling me I'm sweet. May God help us to be like Jesus. Father, help us today. May the word of God Do what it does. We love you. There'll be somebody without Christ here. They haven't made a definitive decision. Being saved is a decision. You don't get saved by being around Christians, going to church, having a Bible, reading the Bible, doing good things to other people. You get saved when you confess you're a sinner unable to save yourself by any other good works, you can't save yourself by good works, and you believe Jesus and Him alone, He paid the price on Calvary, shed His blood, was accepted of God, and sealed by the resurrection from the dead. And if you'll trust Him, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in thine heart that God raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. You just got to believe that. and It'll happen. But you got to do it. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father, which is in heaven, which means you got to do it verbally, publicly. Now, it can be one, two people, three, four people. I confessed Christ when I got saved before the whole church because I wanted to make sure there was enough people there. Maybe that's you. Maybe you've never confessed Jesus, your personal savior, publicly. Why don't you? Maybe you've never trusted Christ, your personal Savior, yet by prayer. Many has received him, to, the, to them gave Him power to become the children of God. Why don't you do it? It's a moment in time that you make that decision. Father, move now. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com,